0: Hey, everyone. Welcome back to So Money. I'm your host, Farnoosh Tarabi. Whether you're on your morning jog, your morning commute, afternoon commute, lunchtime, gym time, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining me. If you're someone who is interested in the psychology of money and learning more about yourself and uh, why you do what you do when it comes to money and spending and saving, you're going to enjoy today's episode and today's guest. Today's guest is author Gretchen Rubin. She is the writer of the brand new book, Better Than Before, Mastering the Habits of Our Everyday Lives. Now, Gretchen began her career in law, and she actually clerked at the Supreme Court when she realized that she really wanted to be a writer. Since then, she's become one of the most influential, thought-provoking writers on habits and happiness of our time. She's the author of several books, in addition to her latest, including the blockbuster number one New York Times bestseller, The Happiness Project, which is one of my favorite books. It is based on the year in Gretchen's life which she spent experimenting about how to be happier. Three takeaways from our interview with Gretchen. One, the four human tendencies we all should be aware of, and the tendency quiz you can take on Gretchen's website that will help you learn about yourself I actually took this quiz and uh, learned a good bit about my own tendencies and why I might be good or bad at keeping habits, why degree of temptation and your personality matter when establishing new habits, and how to know whether you're a classic underbuyer or overbuyer and what you can do about it. Here is the lovely Gretchen Rubin. Gretchen Rubin, welcome to So Money. Wonderful to have you on the show.
1: I'm very happy to be here. Thanks.
0: Your new book is called Better Than Before, and you've identified 21 21 strategies that's allowing readers to essentially learn how to make or break habits effectively once and for all. I guess the fact that you found 21 strategies is a good thing.
1: Yeah, it can, it can sound a little overwhelming, like, oh my gosh, uh, how do I deal with that? But I think you're right. It's actually good because what it means is that in different situations with different habits at different times, um, we have a lot of things to choose from, you can pick and choose whatever appeals to you, um, because there's such a range of strategies, um, that might work.
0: I took your four tendencies quiz on your website, GretchenRubin.com and you, uh, you, have, you suggest that readers do this in order to sort of do the self-reflection re- to then figure out how to best strategize, right, to uh, achieve habits. And there are four tendencies that you've narrowed down. One is an upholder. The other is questioner, obliger, and rebel. And I actually, it turns out, am a questioner. I probably wasn't too surprised to hear this because th- this is kind of what I do as a profession. Am I in a good place, a bad place with this? What are the pros and cons?
1: Well, right. The four tendencies have to do with how we meet an expectation, an outer expectation like a work deadline or a request from a spouse, and then inner expectations like our own desire to play guitar, our own desire to get Uh, start a blog in our free time. And so, as you say, there's the four tendencies, and they describe how people respond differently to outer expectations and inner expectations. Now, questioner is one of the largest categories, it turns out. Most people are either questioners or obligers. Um, And questioners, that's a great tendency because they are very focused on what makes sense. They don't, they hate anything uh, arbitrary or irrational. They want to be convinced. They want to believe before they're going to accept an expectation that's being asked of them. But sometimes that has a negative, like uh, they have analysis paralysis, where they want too much information. They want perfect information, which they can't always get. Um, sometimes other people become get exhausted by their constant questioning and their kind of refusal to just say, like, okay, well, we're making a decision for better or for worse, we're moving forward. Um, and sometimes they can almost seem like crackpots because they will arrive at their own conclusions. That's what they want to do. They want to do research and arrive at their own conclusion. And they might r- arrive at a conclusion that is very different from what the people around them think makes sense. You know, like my friend whose husband with cancer um, disagreed with their cancer doctor about his, what his treatment should be and so kind of went off in his own direction. Um, hmm. so, there's, so all of these have are, are good and, and, and bad
0: sides to them. And you're an upholder, I understand. Yes. yes. And you're actually good at keeping habits, which is what led you to want to write this book, is that you are what you say kind of part of a very small percentage of the population yes. that's actually really, really good at habit keeping. Uh, is this in your DNA, you think? I do. I think that
1: we're, I think we, with age and wisdom, we can learn to counterbalance the negatives of our tendencies. But I do think that we come into the world hardwired with a certain perspective
0: why is it important to take this quiz, quiz about tendencies, before beginning your journey towards developing good habits?
1: Well, really, what I found um, in my when I, my quest to understand habits is that you know there's this really strong impulse among experts to come up with a one-size-fits-all solution, like do it first thing in the morning, or use cash, or uh, have a cheat day, or do it for thirty days, or um, uh, you know, like th- that there's one-size-fits-all, and that if we could only find that magic solution that it would work for everybody. And that just seemed to me to be obviously not true. I mean, just looking around the world, I was like, sometimes the same things don't work for people. Um, There needs to be uh, an acknowledgement of the range that sometimes, uh, you know, getting up in the morning and doing something sounds like a great idea Um, On paper, but if you're a night person who can barely drag yourself out of bed until 10 o'clock to get to work, then going for a run at 8 a.m. is not a solution that's going to work for you. So you're just setting yourself up for failure if you decide that's the habit that you're going to try to form. Um, And so the really important thing to do as you're reading through the 21 strategies is really to look very hard at yourself and to say, what's true for me? When do I succeed? When in the past have I succeeded? What were the circumstances at a certain time that allowed me to do this? For instance, a friend of mine said, Um, said, uh, well, you know, when I was in high school, I was on the track team and I never missed track practice, but I can't go running now. And that fascinated me because it was the same person and the same habit, but at one time she could do it effortlessly. And at another time, it was very difficult for her. So what was the difference? And so the four tendencies is just one of many ways um, that I try to help each person understand how they're different from other people and how they're alike from other people. You know, like for me, if I'm facing a strong temptation, it's much easier to give something up altogether. And for some people, it helps them to indulge in moderation. And you just, this is just one thing that's true for you. Um, When it comes to money, some people do better when they use cash. Some people do better when they use credit cards and some people do better when they use online shopping, when they're trying to control their spending. There's a good case to be made for all those strategies, but they don't, they're not universal strategies because different ones work for different people. So the four tendencies is one way, um, to understand aspects of yourself that then can influence what might, what might work for you. And in particular, like the big takeaway, I think of the four tendencies is that for people who are obligers and that is people who easily meet external expectations of them, but they have a lot, they might have a lot of trouble meeting expectations for themselves. The key thing is external accountability. That is what works for them. And so, that just put in some kind of form of external accountability, and you're going to do much better. Like a friend of mine who was an obliger and wanted to get her finances in order, she said, well, I, 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 I kept saying that I was going to do it, I was going to do it, I was going to do it. And then I made a, an appointment with my really expensive accountant. Right. And then I knew I had to get ready because I didn't want to waste a minute of that guy's time. And so by building in that external accountability, she was able to get herself to do something that had been frustrating her.
0: Well, it's like my gym. If I don't show up for my session, then they automatically charge my account on top of like the fee that I've already paid to buy my package. So that keeps me accountable for sure. But
1: but that's interesting too, because for you that helps, but for some people as we're a rebel, well, (laughs) for some people, paying almost makes them feel like they've done their job. They're like, well, I've paid for it. It's almost the same thing as if I actually worked out. And so for them, they might need to have the feeling of that trainer is disappointed if they don't show up. So it's also like the psychology of like what works for you. For some people, the idea of losing money is incredibly persuasive. They're like, I am not going to waste that money and it drives them nuts. And then other people, they're like, eh, you know, I paid for it. It's like, I practically want myself And so that's another thing is be very aware of, like, if you're trying to build an accountability, what kind of thing matters to you? um because people are very different on like what what gets them going.
0: Yes, and actually on your blog I noticed at one point you asked your readers what were some of their financial habits. And and they and I read the comments and they were all over the place. What do you think were some of the best practices uh, understanding that for everyone it's probably a different strategy, but you know, just generally speaking for our audience who's listening in wanting to know how to maybe install some good financial habits, what are what are the the most common ones that are effective?
1: Well, one thing that it turns out is that when it comes to following a habit, how easy or difficult it is to follow that habit matters tremendously. This is what I call the strategy of convenience and inconvenience. So you want to make it super convenient to do the things you want yourself to do and very inconvenient to do anything you want to avoid. And moderators, by contrast, they kind of get panicky if they're told they can never have something. And they, so they do it better when they can have it Sometimes a little bit. So a lot of moderators, um, I don't know why this is like the thing that about moderators is they keep like a bar of fine chocolate in their desk and once a day they eat a square of fine chocolate. I mean, I would eat that candy bar. It it would just be haunting (laughs) me until I ate the entire candy bar. I could never do that, but that's a moderator. And and so this comes up a lot with food, but it also comes a lot with shopping um, and technology. These are places where many people find it easier to abstain. So if you have trouble managing online shopping, Just say to yourself, I'm only going to shop in real life. Or if you have trouble, like you get carried away when you're actually in a store, but you find it a lot less enticing to impulse shop online, say, I'm going to really buy everything online that I possibly can as a way to just get something out of my life. Or maybe there's a whole category of things that you're like, you know what? I'm just going to stop. I have so many clothes. A lot of them still have the tags on them. I'm just not going to buy any more clothes until I absolutely positively cannot live without a new hat or whatever, you know, new mittens because I'm freezing or I'm going, you know, I'm going to the beach and I don't have a bathing suit that fits, you know, really say, I'm not going to do any of it because for a lot of people, it's just easier. And people often say like, oh, well, you're so self-disciplined. That's why abstaining is is easy for you. I'm like, no, it doesn't have to do with discipline because if you're this kind of personality, abstaining is easier. Mm -hmm. It's the lazy way. You give it up all together. Um, you know, like I'm just not going to, I'm not going to buy lunch at work. I'm only going to bring my lunch every single day. I'm never going to eat out because I just spend way too much money buying lunch at work. And then just say like, that is it. I'm just done making that decision. I've made my decision and I'm just going to go all the way into it. And for a lot of people that's easier. It sounds so demanding,
0: but it's actually easy. Yeah. So this particularly works best for, for things that are uh, your real weak spots, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes, okay. Because yes. if it's something you're
1: kind of lukewarm about, it's easy to be moderate. Like I don't really like potato chips, so I'm like, nah, I'll have a few. Yeah. But you know, you put a you put a Girl Scout cookie in front of me, man. <laughs> it mints, like, man. <laughs> yeah, that's gonna that's gonna go ugly real fast.
0: Um you've talked on your blog also about um, can you tell I've I've stocked your blog? No, i that's excellent. I, I yeah. searched the word money and I just I see whatever Gretchen has talked about money. What, you talk a little bit about um, this, you know, Paul Sullivan, he's a fantastic writer for the New York Times. He actually has a new book out about um, wealth. And he wrote an article um, citing Brad Klotz, actually, who I've worked with in the past on studies uh, about our various stories that we tell ourselves about money and kind of the four money scripts that we all kind of uh, inherit and take on with our lives. And kind of it becomes the the story in the script that we tell ourselves when we are unable to say, commit to good habits or whatever. And I'm curious now to kind of shift the conversation to more about Gretchen's mindset when it comes to money. And and you said that what best defines you is money vigilance, Mm -hmm. people who are cautious about spending, they pay debt promptly. They're the ones who may refuse to spend for no rational reason. Um, but so being money vigilant, and then you also say you're an underbuyer. Yes, is this something that you learned in your environment growing up? I know that a lot of being a, being a good habit keeper is part of your DNA. But what about when it comes to money things? Did you have good role models growing up? You know, that's a very good
1: question. I mean, my family never talked about it, like, uh, but there was just a lot of consciousness of like value and being responsible. And, but like, I certainly never knew how much money we had as a family. I got my allowance very sporadically because I would forget to ask for it. My father would forget to give it to me. Um, I certainly earned a lot of, I was very conscious of wanting to earn as much money as I could. So like I mowed lawns and had summer jobs, but I think something like being an under, so an underbuyer um, is for people who really hate to shop and really hate to spend. And a lot of times they'll, They'll end up in situations where, you know, you like I won't have gloves in time because I'll put it off as long as I can or my kids won't have something because I'm like maybe we don't need it just yet or I'll buy like one tube of toothpaste. It's like why not buy three tubes of toothpaste because you know you're going to need more. Like underbuyers are always looking – not to buy. Um, and overbuyers are kind of like, this could come in handy, or this'll be a good gift for somebody, or I'll get it in three different colors, or I'm going on a trip, so I need <laughs> I, I need like ten different things. I'm starting running, so I need like a reflector thing and an extra shoes and a book about running and, you know. And so that I think I was just born with. Um, just this kind of dislike of the whole process. And yeah, but I mean, I so I think if if anything, I just sort of unconsciously absorbed my family's uh, values and attitudes about it. Um, not through, uh, kind of explicit conversation.
0: Mm -hmm. Do you have a financial philosophy or a money mantra? And in terms of mantras, do you think those are helpful when we're trying to establish habits, good habits?
1: Absolutely. I think the more, like, if you can have some succinct phrase, that just rattles around in your head all the time. um, I think that's really useful. And one of the things I often do if I'm studying a subject is I try to do like a manifesto where I try to distill my, my, my top beliefs or my top conclusions into like 10 short phrases. Because I think the more that you do that, the more like if it's very easy to have a thought, it just runs through your head. So like for me, my biggest mantra is to be Gretchen. And I'm constantly thinking, well, be Gretchen. Is the, You know, when I'm trying to decide to do something, be Gretchen. Is this Gretchen? And with money, you know, as an underbuyer, I really have to encourage myself to buy um, because I don't like to. And that's very inconvenient because a lot of times I don't have the things that I need. Um, so I have to really, like, you know, I remind myself... If you know you need it, buy it now, because my instinct is often like, well, I'm right here in front of a drugstore with 10 minutes to spare, but maybe I'll buy it tomorrow. It's like, (laughs) no, buy it now, like get it, cross it off the list. Um, And like clothes shopping, I used to feel like, well, I should only buy a few things at a time because I don't want to like go overboard. And now I realize I really don't like clothes shopping. So if I'm actually in a store, I should buy every single thing that I can, I think I can possibly use because that way I won't have to come back, you know for for longer time. Um, one of the things that I tried to do for my for Better Than Before, one of the habits I tried to acquire, was the habit of throwing away any garment that had a hole in it. <laughs> and I could not do that. I'm like, oh, there's one more good wear in this sock. Or, oh, if I wear this t-shirt with a sweater, nobody will see that hole. You know what I mean? That's the underbuyer. Like, they just, they hate to shop. And so then a lot of times they they kind of get surrounded with things that don't really work or aren't really suitable because they're like, Oh, you know, like I told somebody I was opposed to Kleenex for a long time. Cause I'm like, why well, I have a dedicated product. Like, you could just blow your nose with to toilet paper. <laughs> People were like, that is really insane. And then I was talking to another underbar. She's like, oh, of course, I hate conditioner, hair conditioner. Like, who needs that? You know?
0: I'm like, oh, but apparently it's all you need. I was talking to a hairstylist, oh. and he's like, okay. he's like, so don't, shampoo, shampoo. don't buy shampoo, <laughs> just buy conditioner and condition like two or three times a week, and that's it. He's like, we're in an environment where we are cleaning our bodies way too much. Interesting. And, oh, yeah, he's like, He's like, you're That's gonna hate crazy. it at first because you're gonna feel like, you know, you're gonna feel like something's missing. And but your hair is gonna love it, and you'll save a ton of money, and it's actually better for your hair.
1: Isn't that? That's hilarious. my so many tip of the day. Okay, there you go. There, <laughs> see, as an underbar. I'm like, see one
0: less product buy. Right. He's like, just invest in really good conditioner. There you go. Um, there there you, you go. So we're almost wrapped here, Gretchen, and I want to ask you a few rapid fire questions that I ask all my guests. First thing that comes to your mind. Um, yeah. <laughs> okay. So if you won the lottery tomorrow, what's the first thing you would do?
1: I would get a two hour massage.
0: <laughs> All right. Massages. What is one thing that you spend your money on? I know you're an underbuyer, but if there is one thing that you spend your money on that makes your life easier or better, what would it be? Office supplies.
1: I love office supplies. My younger daughter is exactly the same way. Um, so yes, like, excellent pens, mm-hmm. cool post-it notes, clips, you know. That Container kind of
0: store. Uh, yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. yeah.
1: Uh, right. I love that stuff.
0: Is there a splurge that you, um, that you cherish that, I mean, you love, I, maybe you're a big fan of massages, but is there a splurge that is something that is in your life, something that you covet?
1: Well, perfume, I love perfume. and its it, and it's it's funny because it's a good thing to have as a splurge item because if you really love perfume, you really want perfume that you really, really love. And there's a lot of perfume that's just kind of mediocre. but so it's hard to find a perfume where you smell it and you're like, oh my gosh, this is an amazing perfume. And so then so it's it's sort of self-limiting because there's just not that many perfumes that I love so much that I really want to wear it over and over mm-hmm. and over again and then want to buy it. Um, but then when I do buy it, it's just, pleasure, you know, for months and months and years to come. So it's a wonderful, it's a, you know, I put on, perf- uh, you know, and I work by myself, so I don't have to worry about like disturbing people in the elevator or something like that. So I'll put on perfume sometimes two, three times a day.
0: <laughs> and it's the scent, right? The scents are so visceral. It can yes. take you back. Yes. I mean, I remember like 100%. the perfume I wore in high school and then suddenly yes. I'm remembering like yes. all these moments. I love that. I love that. Yes. I love that. Yes. I love that. One thing I wish I had known about money growing up as an adult now is? I wish
1: I'd known more about compound interest. Mm -hmm. Compound interest is very powerful. Like, and the younger you are, the more important it is. So I wish I had really, it took me a while to be like, wow, that is really, that's a really big deal.
0: Exactly. It's something I try to encourage all millennials to start doing. It's just, even if it's just 20 bucks a week, like just do it. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's so It's amazing. I know. When I donate money, I like to give to blank because.
1: Mm, I like to give to organizations that either I feel like are going to make a big impact or that are important to people whose values uh, and judgment I trust. So a lot of times I'll give to an organization because a friend is involved in it. Um, and I'm like, well, if they're, if they care enough about it to be, to be volunteering their time and to be raising money for it, then I know that it's probably going to be something that's valuable.
0: I like that. And then finally, the show is called so money, which is really an attitude, right? That, um, you have it together financially. I'm so money. I'm Gretchen Rubin and I'm so money because give you a chance to brag here.
1: Uh, Oh, uh, cause I've. Finally figured out the secret about how to have better habits. Yes,
0: yes, yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> and soon we all will too if we pick up yes. this book. The book <laughs> is called Better Than Before. I'm predicting a number one New York Times bestseller here. Oh, are you
1: nice? <laughs> oh, I
0: hope you're right. I I have a good feeling about that. that. And that so, would be so money. Yeah, everybody go to gretchenrubin.com and fill out that uh, tendencies quiz. You're going to learn a lot about yourself. Thank you so much, Gretchen, for the work that you do. Best of luck and con- wishing you continued success.
1: Oh, thank you. I so enjoyed talking to you today.
0: That's a wrap, folks. If you'd like to learn more about Gretchen Rubin, please visit her website, GretchenRubin.com. You can also follow her on Twitter at Gretchen Also check out Gretchen's weekly podcast, Happier with Gretchen Rubin. We've got all this information as to where you can find Gretchen at SoMoneyPodcast.com. There also is the transcript from this interview, comments as well from this interview and all previous episodes. And as always, I want to hear from you. Please submit your question about money or work, life. Go to somoneypodcast.com. Click on Ask Farnoosh. And there's a really good chance that I'll answer it this weekend or next weekend on So Money. Uh, on the Ask Farnoosh edition, which is our weekend edition, when I get to connect with you. Now, if you love what you're hearing and you want the podcast to continue thriving, please spend a minute or two and leave a review on iTunes. It's the single most impactful way to support the show at this point. Good reviews get you good placement and more organic growth in the iTunes store. It's as simple as that. And please let me know when you do leave a review, because I'd like to personally thank you and also submit you in my weekly drawing. I choose one new reviewer every week to receive a free 15, minute money blitz with me so do that and I would be most appreciative thanks so much for tuning in again I hope your day is so money